What is up, my friends? So good having you back here today. My name is Sky Danton. This is the Ankylosing Spondylitis Reduce Your Pain podcast. The mission of this podcast is to help you reduce your stress and reduce your pain. And when you actualize what Peter and I talk about in this show, it happens. Your life gets better, your stress is decreased, and your body can come more and more and more back into balance. And I love that now the the listener base of this show is branching out pretty significantly beyond just people with AS, because others are realizing that what we're talking about here, although we are directing it to people with AS because that's what Peter and I had, it goes far beyond that. Peter and I are not doctors. We are caring wellness coaches who have a very broad understanding of human behavior and how that affects the body's physiology and the the internal work that can be done in order to rebalance the autonomic nervous system and feel better. So thank all of you for being here. Thank you for the support. Thank you for the questions and the emails and all of that good stuff. Today's episode, we talk about the three primary wants. The three primary wants are what most people are moving around in life looking for. They want these things in order to feel better and they're looking to get them from the outside. But the trick is that these three primary wants cannot be given to us from outside people, outside environments. They are an inside game. And I can safely relabel the three primary wants to the three biggest causes of stress. And this show focuses on stress. We focus on the mind-body connection. We focus on the empowering ability that you have to shift your mindset, apply wisdom to your life, and let these, for example, three biggest stressors that most of us are carrying around let them go and let the body heal. We talk a little bit about how people's identity gets really wrapped up in a certain diagnosis. Energy flows where attention goes. Neurons that fire together, wire together. Those two phrases show how the brain adapts and directs its energy and what it creates as reality by what we're thinking about and what we are basically telling our brain to do. So it makes sense that when people with AS begin to identify as someone with a disease that's going to cause a lot of pain, when that becomes part of their identity, it leads to more of that pain. Because like I said, neurons that are firing together are wiring together. What I want for you, and I'll take this right from what Peter talks about in the show, is more joy, love, and peace of mind. It's one of the counterintuitive things about healing that I want you to know. Your goal is not to beat disease into submission. We've talked about that countless times on this show. Your goal is to develop more peace of mind, 
joy, and love. That is what I want your neurons to be firing and wiring together. And that is where you will ultimately find a better life. Without further ado, here is Peter, and I will wrap up as usual once my conversation with Peter is finished. Good afternoon, Peter. It's really good to see you, man. Hey, good morning, Skylar. It's good to be with you again. So my parents sent me a fun photograph last night, and I know that they live about an hour away from you in Arizona, and there was grapple all over the place, and it was coming down pretty hard. Yeah, right. We got snow in Scottsdale last night. So I also saw some pigs flying around, you know, because I heard it was going to snow when pigs fly. <laughs> well, in that part of the world, you do not get a lot of snow, right? It's not traditional. No, we have gotten it a few times through weird, uh, you know, weather patterns that come through from time to time. But uh, yeah, this grapple, which is hail and snow mixed, it's I've never seen that here before. So yeah, the weather is changing. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Well, let me know how it develops. I'll be curious to know if it keeps snowing out there. I'll uh, throw an ice ball at you next time I get to <laughs> Cool. Well, today's episode I'm really looking forward to. And in the world of mind-body medicine, we know the importance of thoughts and how thoughts affect our emotions and how thoughts and emotions on repetition condition our body to be in a state of health or in a state of illness. And contrary to what a lot of allopathic medicine is looking at, we really know how important it is to begin to master our thoughts and that monkey mind that can rattle around. So in my experience, Peter, I know that thoughts made me sick. I can look back and I can clearly see how thoughts made me sick, made me unhappy, made me depressed. And then when I discovered you, I started to change the thought patterns and of course the emotional patterns at the same time the thoughts began to develop more and more wellness. In your life, Peter, and in your coaching, do you agree that thoughts can make us sick and that thoughts can also lead to healing? Well, there's absolutely no doubt about it. Although uh, modern medical science hasn't really proven it to their own uh, regard yet, it is true. We know that our thoughts affect us through what's called stress. And stress is the leading cause of uh, illness in America and in the world at large now. 90 to 95% of all doctor visits are due to stress and stress-related illness. And stress is caused by what you're thinking about, consciously or subconsciously. So thoughts can certainly help make you sick. And there are specific ones in different mindsets that do that. Or they can help you to heal. So... One thing that's for sure is that people won't heal beyond their own belief system. If they don't believe they can heal, they're right. They won't heal. It's like Henry Ford said, if you think you can or you think you can't, either way, you're right. Mm -hmm. So it's our own belief systems that empower the uh, healing process in our bodies. It's mental, emotional, physical, and metaphysical and chemical in, in origin. So different emotions will keep you ill. For instance, if you're an angry person and you harbor anger, you'll have a hard time healing beyond that anger. Until you rectify that emotion and let it go, you're gonna be having a difficult time with your, your condition of illness or whatever else you're attempting to create in your life. Healing notably or you know, 
relationships or health or prosperity. These all depend on our emotions. Mm -hmm. So emotions that keep us ill are things like anger, like I said, depression, anxiety, hopelessness, and specifically shame and guilt. Shame and guilt are the lowest vibrational frequencies that we can feel. And almost everybody's taught to feel those things at some time or another in their lives. So what we wanna do is replace those emotions that keep us ill with the healing emotions and the ones that help us heal. And those are things like compassion, appreciation, gratitude, forgiveness, care, and generosity. Those are healing emotions among others that help us to feel good and release the stress about who we are and what we're uh, encountering in our lives that stresses us out. And then we have what I call the three healing superpowers. And if you can connect with these aspects and become them fully as your state of being, you will help yourself heal exponentially. And those healing superpowers are these, love, joy, and peace of mind. And in fact, those are the three aspects of the true self, the essential self or what you might call the spirit, the soul or whatever, the Atman, whatever language you use to describe your, your essence, you know, the essence of life force within you, it's made of love, joy, and peace of mind. And I know this because that's all that's left over when you eradicate all the stress. When you let go of everything and you're okay with everything that is and nothing can pull your chain, all you can feel is love, joy, and then peace of mind. So those are the three healing superpowers and they're not things that we can go get in the world they're what we already are that we need to connect with internally. And that's what I showed you the pathway to fulfilling. And that replaced all those stressful monkey mind thoughts that were bedeviling you constantly throughout your days. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, absolutely. And I've noticed a shift in even the last couple of years. When I first got into mind-body stuff, people were talking about the importance of thoughts and emotions. And I had just been through the whole diagnostic process with ankylosing spondylitis. And I was still pretty certain that there was something mechanically wrong, genetically wrong with my body. And flash forward to today, almost everyone that I connect with they kind of know that stress is the main cause. They might not know what to do with it or how much they're in, but there seems to be this very fast learning curve kind of happening all over the place where people are recognizing that stress is a big issue in their life. And it's something that is tied to the levels of inflammation and pain that they're in. Yeah, that's what creates the imbalance in the uh, autoimmune system. Mm -hmm. is that stress and that very stress. That's what we've been talking about ever since. So you said in, the, in your uh, rejoinder there that uh, you'd just been through the diagnostic process where they were looking at everything physical and trying to find out what was wrong physically. And make no mistake, there are things going haywire physically when you're feeling that stress and when you're having an autoimmune disorder occur as a result. There's something physically happening and it could be related to the genetics, but clearly genetics are not the whole story. So, you, you know, if you've got the genetics for Lou Gehrig's disease or, you know, the genetics for leukemia, you might have those as a result of your stress instead of ankylosing spondylitis. 
So genetics could be implicated, but they're not the be all and end all cause of the condition. And if you read Bruce Lipton's work, he's very clear on that. Bruce Lipton PhD, especially in his book, The Biology of Belief. He's done so much study with genetics and epigenetics. He's basically invented that scientific form called epigenetics, but it's corroborated by uh, you know, the peer group that uh, looks into these things. And so he's proven that it's not just genetics, it's something that's turning on the genetics or turning off the genes as they express or don't express in your body that's causing that situation. And that thing that's, that's doing that is stress. Mm -hmm. So now that's why everybody understands who knows mind-body medicine and mind-body approaches to healing. That's why they all understand that your thoughts are critically important to your recovery. If okay. you don't believe you'll heal, you probably won't. That's called the nocebo effect as opposed to the placebo effect, which is if you believe you can heal, you probably will. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the, the scientific field of epigenetics is giving people the scientific permission that that is needed to kind of validate what we're talking about on the scientific level. And I remember the more I learned about that, the more I could just recognize how brilliant my body was and how impactful emotions were to turn on or turn off certain genes. I still have the gene, but it's just off. Correct. It's not expressing itself as disease or imbalance. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting that you use the phrase getting permission from science to believe these things. I think that's important for a lot of people, even though, you know, masters and health instructors and Chinese medicine practitioners and others the world over have known this forever. Now science has given us their permission to believe it. Mm -hmm. But it's interesting because for a lot of people, it's quite useful to understand how the mechanisms work in the physical body. And then it's a lot easier for them to believe that things are going right and things are getting better and that they're healing. And so there they have it. Their belief system changes, their symptoms change accordingly and their environment and the things that they continue to meet head on on a daily basis in terms of their emotions and their work and their relationships and so forth work for them instead of working against them. For me, we, we talked about how we will never heal beyond our belief system. And I had kind of a head versus heart thing going on where my heart felt like it was possible to heal. But my head had been bombarded with all kinds of information telling me that I was just going to have to live a life of pain and disability. And so I would waver back and forth. I think it was my heart that ultimately led me to you. And my head was still full of doubts on my ability to heal. Like, was I, did I have what was required? Could my body even do it? And there was a final piece put to the puzzle, which was understanding the epigenetics, which got that belief system that was wavering back and forth between listening to the head and listening to the heart. That finally the head came around and was like, okay, science is telling me right now that it's possible to heal. So when your head and your logic, your linear left brain egoic uh, cognitive mind is pulling in one direction, which is the direction that is coming from external sources like doctors and books and the resources that you have access to. When your head is pulling in one direction and your heart is pulling in another, that creates a cognitive dissonance 
and it's called inner contradiction. You have an inner contradiction happening and that creates stress, lo and behold. Mm -hmm. So this happens in people's lifetimes in their career or in their relationships or you know, in their finances where their heads are pulling them in one direction and their hearts are saying, do the other and causes stress, which causes illness, which causes pain and suffering. Mm -hmm. So getting in alignment is one of the first things I coach my people to do with your head and your heart. And then getting in alignment with the five stages of immaculate reception, which we'll discuss at some other time. is a big part of my coaching. Mm -hmm. Because this is how we begin to overcome the issues that work against us mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. And when we get into alignment with these four aspects of the human condition, that's when we heal most rapidly. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I love the, uh, that we all have healing superpowers, the emotions that do a lot of healing are the gratitude, the care, the appreciation, the generosity. I know that the science that's talking about the healing abilities of that heart-based emotions offer, that they say that when someone sinks into a place of gratitude, like really feeling it, really present with gratitude, there's between 14 to 1500 different biochemical reactions that happen in the body that are all immune system upregulating and what are considered life affirming emotions, which help and benefit our health. 14 to 1500 different chemical reactions. Talk about healing, right? And it's, it's that type of knowledge that has allowed me to get where I am. You did it through years and years and years of study. I did it through a much more condensed time frame. People behind me, as you know, are doing it even faster. <laughs> they have access to the resources that we didn't have. I mean, I didn't have any coaching or teaching or nobody knew about epigenetics when I was going through it. Mm -hmm. So I, I mainly healed myself through mind over matter practices like meditation and exercise and positive attitude and reinventing myself at the cellular level. Uh, and then I healed and then I went back to school and studied just how I did that. How did that occur and what took place and what are the sciences around this wisdom and what do they know and what don't they know? So yeah, I've been at this for 20 or 30 years. I've been pain-free for 30 years plus mm -hmm. 30 years and counting. So people today can expect to do it in a fraction of the time it took us to do it. Absolutely. That's the redeeming quality that I like about it. So that should well, lead us into uh, habits that heal number 16 that we're going through today. I have it pulled up right here. So Winslow's Habits That Heal, lesson number 16, choose your feelings. What we feel in any moment is an important key to health and healing. There is tremendous power in knowing we can choose to be happy now, no matter what happened then. It's really not what happened that matters. It's how we feel about what happened. And we can change that at any time. In fact, we are constantly modifying our memories of the past without even being aware of it. Yeah, that happens with everybody. The memories of the past modify and adapt and change themselves, they morph as time goes by. So it's easy to prove to yourself. I mean, it happens to me frequently where I'll turn on television and there's an old movie on that I saw years ago and I'll think, oh, this is the scene where 
so-and-so comes in and this happens. And so I'm watching the movie and when so-and-so comes in, it doesn't happen the way I remembered it happening. There's something else going on and I'm like, ah, oh, so my memory has evolved since then. Another example of that is whenever you talk to your family about things you did when you were a kid and they remember it totally differently than you do because memories are always modifying themselves to suit our belief systems. And it's interesting how that takes place in the body. But the point being with uh, Habit Set Heal number 16, choose your feelings, is that you can always change your feelings at any given moment when you know how to do that. And that's one of the first things people ask me is how do you do that? I'm feeling really bad about myself. I have depression, I'm sick, I, I don't feel good. I lost my job, I'm hurting for money. How do you feel good? And of course, they've got to have a reasonable answer to be able to do that. They have to learn how to do it. And what, how, how to do it is about changing your identity. And you can change your identity at all times. So most people believe that they are their mind and not incidentally that they are the body. So they cling to illness as part of their identity because their illness is in their bodies and their mind is experiencing it. So they think this body is who I am and what I identify as me, you know, like me right now sitting here in my studio, talking to you sitting there where you are in your place, because we're using our minds to think about all this. By logic, we are our minds and our bodies. That's who we are. And that's something that we cannot change is the belief. But if that's your belief, then I want you to consider what Eckhart Tolle has to say about it. Because in his book, A New Earth, Eckhart says that it's not just people with healthy and well-working bodies who are likely to equate it with who they are. He says you could just as easily identify with a problematic body and make that body's illness or imperfection or disability into your own personal identity. And that's what you can change at any time. Most people don't though, because they might even think of themselves or speak about themselves as a sufferer of this illness or a chronic disability sufferer. That's who I am. And they receive a great deal of attention from doctors and other people who constantly confirm to them that identity as a sufferer or as a patient. So then they unconsciously cling to the illness because it's become an important part of who they are and their identity and who they think they are. So it's another thought form that the ego can identify with as an I am. And that's how we change what we're being at any time is through our I am's. But once the uh, ego has found an I am identity, it doesn't want to let it go. So Eckhart says that amazingly, and it happens often, he says, the dysfunctional ego in search of a stronger identity can and does create illnesses in order to strengthen itself through those illnesses. So let me say that again. Once the ego, your self-image has found an identity, it doesn't want to let it go. And a dysfunctional ego in search of a stronger identity can and does create illnesses in your life so as to strengthen itself through those illnesses. And this is true for many, many people in the world. So the way that we change our feelings at any given moment, the best way to do it is by changing your I am. And I teach how to do that in my coursework, of course, how to use that productively and so that it actually works instead of trying to fool yourself because you can't fool being. I am is a state of being and you just can't fool it through your beliefs or your thoughts or feelings. Because if you're feeling something and you're disingenuous about it and you're saying, well, I'm not really feeling that, I, I'm a positive person and I am going to heal, 
the ego pushes right back and says, well, we'll see about that. And then doubt and fear and other states of being, states of mind crop up and become the mindset that keeps people sick. The best and fastest way that I can explain to people to change their state of being and change their frequency, change their feelings in any moment is to laugh. As soon as we laugh, as soon as we find something funny and we start laughing, it changes our frequency to one of strength and feeling good. And that's in fact what everybody wants. A lot of people will say they don't really know what they want in life, you know? Like I'll ask them, what do you really want? And they're like, well, I'm not sure. But I can tell you that I'm sure and I know what you want. If you're listening to this podcast, I know what you want. So let's just keep it simple. This is what you want. You want to feel good. That's it. You want to feel good. That's what everybody wants. And you'll find that feeling good in one, one way or another is your main objective in life. Because every desire, every dream, every goal that you have is based on how good you'll feel when you get there. Now, this can confuse some people who wouldn't agree with it because they have a habit of feeling guilty about feeling good. And that was me for a long time. If I felt good about something, I'd feel guilty to the point where I'm like, well, I don't really deserve to feel good because there are other people who aren't feeling good or I did this or that behavior that caused me to feel bad. And so that's what I deserve. So for people like this, feeling good is considered a privilege. They think it's a privilege to feel good. They don't know that it's their natural state of being. And that, that in fact, that's all they really want in life is to feel good. But first they've got to get it satisfied through what I call their three primary wants. And you asked me about that once before, didn't you? Mm -hmm. Yeah. The three primary wants that people have, everybody wants these three things. They want to feel safe. So they chase after the three things in life that'll cause them to feel safe and feel good about who they are. So there are three things that everybody wants in life. And these three things are primary to our overall health. Because if you don't have them, you suffer. If you don't have these three things, the three primary wants, you're gonna suffer. But the thing is, there's a catch. <laughs> and it's a big one because you can't get these things from anybody else. And you can't get them from the world around you. You certainly can't buy them. You have to give them to yourself. And when you give them to yourself, then the world mirrors and matches your frequency by giving them back to you over and again, resplendently. So the three primary things that everybody wants, are you curious about that, Sky? Do you remember? I, I know what they are. Yeah, uh, good, good man. The first thing that everybody wants that if they don't have, they suffer is called security. Everybody wants security. They wanna be secure in their bodies and their minds. They wanna be secure in their workplace and their homes. They wanna be secure in their relationships. And mostly they wanna be financially secure. That's where a lot of people place their securities in financial wherewithal. And so they want financial security and everybody's trying to get secure. And we've discovered that security is really an illusion. There's no such thing as security. So let's take financial security as an example. There's no such thing as financial security in the world. 
You have to have it internally. You have to feel good about it internally before the world can mirror and match it back to you. And recently in my lifetime, we had an economic downturn that proved this to the world. 2008, when there was the uh, massive downturn in the world's economies, and a lot of people, many, many people who had tremendous amounts of wealth invested, saw that wealth suddenly evaporate. It just evaporated, just went away. And so they freaked out because they thought they had what they call financial security. So I'm gonna give you financial security right now, Skylar. Do you want it? Yes, I do, please. Everybody wants it. <laughs> so if you want financial security, I'll tell you the true definition of financial security right here and now. Financial security means this and nothing else. It's just this. When I need money, I can get it. And that's financial security. That's all it is. When I need money, I can get it. So in the course of my coaching, I show people how to create their own realities. And this is a big part of that. When you need money, you've got it. So instead of trying to manufacture a false sense of security, you know, you're gonna now live from this belief. When I need money, I can get it. I have access to money. I'm able to get the money I need when I need it. That's financial security and nothing more. But true security is not really financial in origin. It's internal. It's manifested through the union of uh, ourselves and our true selves with the source of abundance, the source of all things. And then we come to the awareness that no matter what happens, I'll be okay. That's tr true security. No matter what happens, even unto death, I'm not afraid. Whatever happens is meant to be. So whatever happens, I'll be okay. That's security. Do you have any reflections on that? Yeah, I'm thinking when we when we actualize financial security, for example, it can take a big burden off of us. And that burden is, is emotional worry and struggle and fear. And it's that's why this type of work is so important in the world, is because when people recognize, like what you said, that financial security is when I need money, I can get it, their entire nervous system calms down. That right. is where healing comes from. That's where doctors are not looking. They're not, they don't understand even such a, a basic yet meaningful and profound example of how human behavior in our minds affects the physiology in our body. That's right. So now that we're on top of this, we understand it and we can take measures to rapidly co-create whatever it is we'd like to experience. By co-create, I mean, we do that with the source of abundance. So the source of all things is also the source of wealth. Most people believe that wealth comes from their jobs, that their wealth comes from their work. But wealthy people don't live that way. In fact, the average American millionaire has seven revenue streams. And it's not seven full-time jobs because there's not enough hours in the day to work seven full-time jobs. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So attracting abundance to us is what the world gives us when we are being that state of being. When we're being abundant, the world beats a path to our door and brings us more of what we already are. Now, the second thing that people want, the second primary want is control. Everybody wants to control their lives. So they're trying to control their condition, you know, they're trying to control their symptoms. 
trying to control their bodies by trying to control the external factors that have to do with all that. And they're also probably trying to control their kids, you know, and control their spouses and significant others. And they want to control their communities. They want to control uh, the criminals. They want to control the government, control the terrorists, control the drug dealers, but they never can. All the battling we've done against these things has never wiped it out. Because the fact is that there are only two things that we can ever control. And you'll remember these from our past podcasts. But, uh, you know, the two things that we control, trying to control anything beyond these two things leads to stress, leads to instability, and it can even lead to madness. Because we can't control anything beyond these two things. And these two things are these, our beliefs and our behaviors. And most people can't even really control those. <laughs> they don't control what they believe. Their beliefs are given to them from when and where they were born and what their family of origin tells them to believe. And this is who we are and what we believe in and so forth. Until and unless people go out on their own as adults and discover that they can create their own beliefs. But of course, most of them never do. And as for behaviors, <laughs> lots of people have a hard time controlling their behaviors, right? Isn't it obvious? They struggle with overeating, they struggle with their vices, they got addictions, they have life situations and conditions that beset them, and they feel totally out of control. So they're trying to control the people and things in their lives to gain some semblance of internal control. And that's the recipe for strife, stress, struggle, and suffering. So trying to control anything outside of those two things is a recipe for stress. And it's what most people are trying to do, gain control by controlling external events and, and aspects. But when we get to the point where we realize that the only two things we can control that are within our grasp are our beliefs and our behaviors, that changes everything. It changes the state of being, it changes the stress levels, and now you can learn to create your beliefs and behaviors in a way that suits you best for healing, wholeness, health, wealth, and happiness. What would you add to that, Sky? I would add that it's a very empowering realization to have because from personal experience, even when all the diagnostic stuff, the MRIs, the genetic tests, were all pointing down the path of a life of pain, I knew that I could choose differently. Despite what the environment was sort of pushing onto me, I couldn't control what the doctors thought. I couldn't control what the MRIs told me but I could choose to believe what my future was gonna be and take steps to actively get there in the best way I knew how at the time. And how did that so, feel? Very empowering. And uh, it let me be in the driver's seat of where I was gonna go instead of just accept a prognosis that was given to me. I realized that I could control at least my belief I could choose not to believe it. Maybe I'll believe it later if I searched for 10 years and didn't find any help. Maybe I would succumb to that belief. But in the moment, I chose to believe that I was going to find help and that I was going to heal. So you were changing your feelings and changing your emotions based on that ability. Yeah, I was working on the inside game, despite what my environment was telling me. It was very scary. I was working on making peace 
and positivity with the inside game and feeling okay. Yeah, that's a that's a hero's journey, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And that's the journey I took, and that's the journey many people take in life. And when they're ready for a shift, they're ready for change, they're ready for things to be better than they ever could imagine before, they take the hero's journey where you bolster yourself with faith and positivity and vision and boldly go where you've not gone before. You've got to get out of your comfort zone to create a new life. A big part of the hero's journey too, and and you'll agree with this and you see it everywhere, is that they find support. Like when things couldn't get any worse, right? And, And they're just in like the grip of pain and fear and battle someone comes to help something comes with some level of of guidance that helps that hero change the trajectory of what seemed like dauntless and hopeless definitely so and it shows in every novel and every movie that's been written and made about the hero's journey the support shows up and for my spiritual friends out there they'll say that that's when the angels show up is when you have no safety net When you leap without a net, you get borne up on the wings of angels. Whatever that is and however that works, I've seen it happen in my own life. I've worked without a net. I got the support I needed and the guidance that was necessary to achieve my goals. The most most well-known example that I can think of for uh, the hero's journey is the Wizard of Oz. Dorothy gets ripped out of her comfort zone through no fault of her own and placed down in this weird and wild situation that she could have never imagined Mm -hmm. and she's trying to find her way back home so that's the journey to get back home for her and on the way she has to face witches and wizards and demons and dragons and all kinds of things in the books that didn't make it to the movie but in the movie she gets support from the tin man the scarecrow and the lion they come and they join with her forces and they help her to achieve those things and then she finds out that she always had the power to go home anyway by clicking her heels together when she finishes her journey, being home is the most natural aspect of the uh, process. And she had the ability all the while to heal and be whole and become one with uh, her desire to be home. So that leads us to the third thing that everybody wants to uh, gain. And that third thing that everybody wants is approval from others. Now, one of the reasons why we've been feeling the emotional charges that are keeping us sick, like guilt and shame and anger, it's because of lack of approval from other people. And for anybody listening to this podcast, can you see where you've been attempting to approve of yourself and get the approval of others? Can you feel that? And if you're not feeling it, then not having the approval of others often leads people to feeling bad about themselves. But others are not going to approve of you when you don't approve of yourself anyway. So it's an inside job. You've got to do it first. If you're feeling shame or guilt or any of these things, that's a lack of self-approval. And you're going to see the results of that playing out in your life. So to gain the authentic approval of other people, we've got to approve of ourselves first. It's an inside job. And that's why we have to let go of guilt and shame. And letting go of these things is very simple. It really doesn't take a lot of work. You don't have to analyze anything. You don't have to go to therapy and figure it all out. It's really simple, like the best things in life. All the best things in life are really simple. 
And a lot of people don't like to hear that, right? They don't like to hear that the important things are simple because it sounds too good to be true. But they really are simple. And it's we, the people, who make these things complicated. Because we have this belief that complex issues are more valuable than simple issues. So complex science is more valuable than rudimentary and basic science. So, you know, if you've got a medical specialist who's into very complex analysis and, you know, understanding of the human condition, well, that specialist charges more than a general practitioner. You know, same with your car. If you've got a car that has a very complex system built into it, like dual overhead cams or uh, even halogen headlamps, for instance, it costs more than a regular car would cost because it's more complicated. And people value complexity when most of the things in life that really matter are simple. And the most powerful things we'll ever experience in our life are simple. They don't have to be figured out or understood. It's just love, joy, and peace of mind. And I call these things the human superpowers because of their ability to shift anything that we'd like to experience. Capiche? Yeah, it's great. Love, joy, and peace of mind, they are simple once we start to experience them. For me, I know that I had so much complication in my mind <laughs> <laughs> that it was hard to really feel what love, joy, and peace of mind could offer me. And I, can, I, I know why they helped heal my body. And I, uh, I just, I had so much complication in my mind that caused big levels of stress. And as you're talking about the three primary wants, I mean, we could also label those the three biggest areas of stress that most people have. The biggest and, obstacles. Yeah, some of the biggest obstacles and some of the biggest struggles. And looking at them differently begins to dissolve the stress, which is what some of the wisdom that you share today will help the listeners do. Well, you want to know how to do these things properly and get on the right track of the hero's journey with this. Uh, but we offer that support. We know what to do with that. And so, yes, getting this message out is where it all begins. People have to realize that they have the ability to choose their feelings in any moment. So they have to know how to do that and be able to do that to heal themselves mentally and emotionally, which reverses the uh, misbehaving autoimmune system and Let's go of the inflammation and the stress and the pain that people feel. You made my job easy there. You just pulled it all together in beautiful words, man. Thank you. Great. Hey, I very much appreciate the opportunity to do so. So thanks for having me once again on your podcast. Yeah. Yeah, you're welcome. And thank you for the, the rock solid content that you delivered today. Really helpful for me. And it's, it's always such a good reminder. And everyone that listens to this, they pull something out of it that's applicable to their life. And a number of our listeners at this point don't even have AS, but they recognize that this stuff can help them live a better life, regardless of whether or not they're fighting chronic pain and autoimmune issues. Because what we're teaching them is how to heal their lives, mm -hmm. how to live their best lives rather than just fight a disease. So yeah, yeah this, is, this is useful and, and workable for everybody. Anybody can do this when you know what to do and you follow through. Hey, that's a, that's a meme. Know what to do and follow through. <laughs>
Cool. Well, I can picture you practicing your love, joy, and peace of mind out there getting getting hit with hail in the hot desert. Saying, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> oh, joy. We can always choose those things, that's for sure. Mm -hmm. Once we learn yeah, that, learning, learning to feel better despite the hardships in life is something we all have the ability to do. And it's what can really get us out of hard times in mind and in body. That's all it is. Doesn't need to be any more complicated than that. Well, thank you, Peter. I appreciate your time and your honesty and your wisdom. And so does everyone else. You got it, bro. Thanks for having me along. You're welcome. We'll see you again soon. Okay, see you next time. See ya. All right, everyone, welcome back. I hope that you took note of Peter's definition of financial security. I can't tell you how many people are moving through life feeling that they don't have the financial security that they would like. And the metric that they're using in their mind is something other than, than what Peter said of, hey, when I need money, I can get it. A lot of people have this thing, they need a million, they need 10 million or whatever. But when you study finance and you actually open up books written by multimillionaires or even billionaires, it doesn't take long to recognize that once they got the money in the bank account that they thought was going to give them financial security, they felt even more insecure. And one of the reasons is, is because they had worked so hard and given up so much of their time and their life in order to get this money that all of a sudden they were terrified to lose it. So they lived their life thinking that if I only had a million bucks in the bank, then I'll be free. But when they do that and they get the million bucks, they become so terrified of losing it that that financial security is never actualized in their mind and in their body. And arguably, some of them even have more stress than they did when they were broke. <laughs> These are real things, you guys. This is human behavior at play and it's understanding stress. And this is not where doctors are looking. And so it's an honor for me to be able to have someone like Peter, who's very well studied in this area. And me, who's, who's also well studied in this and albeit a bit younger and, and newer to this world, but still 10 years in, to be able to recognize these traits of how you might be functioning and how these traits can be creating stress in your life that is not helping serve you and not helping you decrease your pain. And it is my goal for you to reduce your pain and get to the place of what I call AS freedom, where you are back in control of your life. You eat whatever you want and you are living with joy, love, and peace of mind. My name is Sky Denton. Please feel free to contact me at skydenton.com. You can contact Peter at asvictors.com. Send us your questions, inquire about anything that you would like. We are here to, to be of service. It is one of the things that is absolutely top on my value is to be of service to, to you, to humanity, to share what I've learned through all the ups and the downs and the chaos and the physical and emotional pain that I've been through in life and help you 
expedite your healing process and get yourself into a place, like I said, with more joy, love, and peace of mind. To look at this podcast in video, go to Facebook or YouTube and just type in Ankylosing Spondylitis Reduce Your Pain, and you can watch us talk. And please, please share this content. As you share it, as our viewership grows, it creates more opportunity for conversations like this. And the more people that feel empowered all over the world, the better. Much love, my friends. Wishing all of you the best. Stay happy, stay healthy, and I will see you all very soon.